You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen, dear saints. Uh, the first thing to consider, I think, tonight is why this lesson is paired with this week. And uh, the reason, at least the clearest connection is this. In John 8, our gospel reading, Jesus says, as he's fighting with the Pharisees, really duking it out, uh, he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And the Pharisees say, you're not even 50 years old, and you say you've seen Abraham? And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus is referring to the fact that this, these three men who came here to talk to Abraham, two of them were angels, and one of them was Jesus. In fact, whenever we see the Lord showing up in the Old Testament, we look back and we say that that is Jesus who is there, talking, speaking, delivering his word, giving his gifts, and so forth. Jesus says in John chapter 1, No one at any time has seen God, but the only begotten uh, God who is in the bosom of the Father has made him known. In other words, when we see God in the Old Testament, when we hear God in the Old Testament, almost all of the time we're hearing Jesus. And here Jesus comes to Abraham and to Sarah as they're there under the oaks of Mamre, they're kind of camped out there, Jesus comes with his angels to deliver his promise. Now, this is not the first time that the Lord has brought his promise to Abraham. In fact, beginning with Genesis chapter 12, just about every three chapters, Jesus shows up with Abraham and gives him a promise. But here's the thing, and especially as we read this text theologically, that's all that Jesus brings to Abraham. That's all he ever gives to him is the promise. Now, this promise that God gives to Abraham is threefold. He promises that he'll have a, um, that he'll be the father of a great nation, that his offspring will be as many as the sand of the sea and the, and the stars in the sky. In other words, you won't be able to count them. You'll, you'll have a huge family tree, first part. The second part is that, is that God promises to give Abraham the land, the land of Cana, what's called Israel. And third, and most importantly, God promises that Abraham will be the grandfather or great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of the Messiah himself. He says, in your seed, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. And that seed is talking about Jesus. In fact, that seed is the seed that God talks to Abraham, to, to, to Adam and Eve about in the garden. Remember Genesis 3.15, this text we always talk about? Where the Lord says to the devil, uh, I, put, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will crush his heel. Well, that promise of the seed of the Messiah, of the devil-destroying God-man, is now given to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 16, and now in Genesis chapter 18. But while the Lord gives Abraham this great promise that he'll have a great nation, that he'll have the land, and that he'll be the father of the Messiah... There's no proof of it at all. In fact, here it is at 18, and we notice this, that you, you, you find Abraham, and where is he? He's living in a tent under a tree. He's not the king of a great land, and he has no children. Now, every time God comes with a promise, it becomes more and more tempting for Abraham and for Sarah to try to make that promise come about themselves. Because you see they, see, they have no evidence. God says, you're going to have a lot of kids, and Sarah doesn't have any kids. You're going to have a huge nation, and they don't have a single baby. So it comes to the point where Sarah and Abraham, Abraham think that they have to take things that matters into their own hands. Remember? 
Sarah says, here's Hagar, my, my maidservant, and why don't you go and, uh, with her, and at least you'll have a child, and it'll be your child, and so God's promise will be fulfilled, and so it happens, and Abraham and Sarah go and act married, and Hagar has a child, Ishmael, and, and now Abraham can hold Ishmael before the Lord and say, now I have a child, see, the child of promise, and God says, nope, he's not the one. Sarah will have a child. It'll be Sarah's. And this is what's going on in Genesis 18. The Lord comes and says, Sarah will be the mother of these nations. And the very thing that I think the Lord was waiting for happened. Sarah laughed. She said, yeah, right. (laughs) She's 90 years old. The way of women had ceased with her. Any sort of indication that Sarah could have a child is gone. Same is true for Abraham. There's no way. And Sarah knows it. She looks at this promise of God and she knows that there is absolutely nothing that she and Abraham can do. There's no plotting. There's no scheming. There's no maidservant that's going to help this time. There's nothing. They've reached the end of themselves. All of the time they were thinking that they that God would give them the promise, but they would make it come about. But now, finally, at last, they realize that they can do nothing to help. That they can do nothing to aid God's promise. That they have no strength, no choice, no life to give that would be helpful to make God's word come about. And this, dear saints, is exactly where God wants them. I mean, he, I, you almost get the sense that as you're reading through this story of Genesis that the Lord is making sure they come to this point. To the end of themselves. To the, to the end of all hope in their own flesh and their own goodness and their own efforts so that they have no hope in themselves, no faith in themselves, no trust in themselves, and the only thing left for them to cling to is God's word of promise. So that God brings them to the end so that they, they must know that this child is the Lord's work. That this baby, Isaac, is the Lord's doing. That this gift is the Lord's accomplishment and not theirs. Sarah laughed. Now, I've heard that laugh before. I'm not trying to think if I've heard it from any of you guys. Maybe. But it sounds something like this. When you realize what a a profoundly wretched sinner you are, how how there's nothing good in yourself, how you have nothing to offer God, you've come to the end of yourself and you realize that you should be punished by God, that you should be cast off by Him, that you've got nothing to give. And you hear the gospel, you hear the promise that Jesus has died for you, that Jesus loves sinners, that Jesus saved you, and you laugh like Sarah. At the promise. And you say, me? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I can't do anything good. I can't muster up a good work. If I put all my effort into it, I wouldn't know a saving action if it slapped me in the face. (laughs) There's nothing I can do to be pleasing to God. In fact, I deserve the exact opposite. I deserve to be tossed out by the Lord Yeah, right, I'll be saved. 
And the Lord says to you, and the Lord says to me, just what he said to Sarah. Yeah, right. I've promised it. And it will come to pass. Without your works, without your effort, without your doing, without your anything, I will bring my promise to pass. I will give you a child, he says to Sarah. I will give you my son, he says to you. And all of your sins will be forgiven. <laughs> I was talking to um I was talking to a pastor yesterday. Uh I was and he was telling me a story about how he became a Lutheran. And he was uh he had gone to a seminary, and he was a semi-Lutheran, kind of not really, but he was involved in all sorts of crazy theologies. And he was sent from the seminary early to go to a church in California to build up the church. He was kind of the rising star, you know, the the gleaming seminarian with a great smile and white teeth. And he was going to go out and save the church, and that's what he thought. I got my tools. I've got my I've got my insight. I've got my charisma. I'm going to go, and I'm going to. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to save it. And he got out there to California, and he started working at it, and working, and working, and working, and working. And things were starting to work, but uh, and the church was starting to kind of come to life. But he himself realized that the whole thing was a sham. That he didn't have the strength to do this work. That this, that the efficacy of the word was not bound up to him and to his personality and all this sort of stuff. That, that it was the Lord who was doing it. And he, and he realized that he was a sinner. The Lord kind of crushed his pride, destroyed his self-confidence. He kind of dragged him through this whole process to, as he explained it, to the end of himself. And here he was, uh, uh, by all outward standards, a successful uh, a pastor who looked successful on the outside. The church looked successful. And he told me, he said, Brian, I, was, uh, I came to the end of myself, and I remember it one night that I couldn't take it anymore, and I just broke down. And he, and he was in his living room, and there was a, they had a, a rug in the middle of the living room. And he says, I remember I was laying on the rug balled up in the fetal position, rocking back and forth, weeping. Tears just streaming out of his eyes because he realized that he could not do it. That he could not, that he he did not have the strength to save himself, much less to save anybody else. He realized that he was a sinner all the way through, that he had nothing to add, nothing to give, nothing to offer God that he would be pleased with. And he realized he was completely empty, and he just simply came unraveled. Now, his weeping is the same as Sarah's laughing. (laughs) It's the the mark that we've come to the end of ourselves. But he said it was at that moment that I realized that it wasn't that I didn't have anything. It was that the only thing I had was God and his promise. It's true. That's the only thing Sarah had. It's the only thing that Abraham had. It's the only thing that this friend and this pastor had. And dear saints, it's the only thing that you have. But his promise is enough. His promise is sufficient. His love will do what he says it will do. It will forgive your sins. 
It will save you. It will give you eternal life. This is our comfort. The comfort that Jesus had for Sarah and for Abraham. And it is the comfort that Jesus has for you. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.